What's up, Media Lads Nation? Uh, Tom from the future here, popping in to tell you that this episode is actually a part two of another episode that came out very recently. Extremely recently. It's kind of a shock how recent the last episode was. So, yeah, this is part two. You might want to listen to part one first so you understand all the lore, but otherwise, enjoy. Onward. Probably go ahead and move on. To Onward and upward. Brandon Sanderson, Big baby. Rhythm of War, book four, Stormlight Archive. If you've not if you're not caught up on Stormlight Archive, get out. Then get out and don't listen any further. Or do if you don't care for some right? reason, which you should, but you know, thousand page tomes aren't for everyone, I guess. Thousand page I guess not. Good. What you don't wanna hang on. You don't wanna just sit there and calm just in the span of a month, you don't want to read a book that is, uh, 1,217 pages long. You don't want to do that? Like, come on. You don't want to do that? What's... Uh, speaking of which, that's just gonna get to go into one of my first criticisms of Rhythm of War. <laughs> There's a lot of fat that could have been trimmed. Yeah, uh... Honestly, Stormlight uh, Archive on a whole. Stormlight Archive whole. as a whole, yeah, but honestly, I think those first three books do generally feel relatively well streamlined, considering how massive they are. Rhythm of War feels like it has maybe like 150, 200 some pages that could have been trimmed from it. Yeah, and other parts that needed to be expanded. And other parts that needed to be expanded upon but weren't, which we can get into detail in a minute. Yeah, like, on the whole, as much as I do love the Stormlight Archive, there's definitely some issues with author indulgence and not there really structuring are. it as tightly as it could be. There not there a isn't there a lift interlude in, like, Oathbringer or Words of Radiance? It's, like, 30 pages long. Uh, <laughs> That doesn't sound unlikely. I don't remember exactly. But I'm not, I will not be surprised. Sure. I'm pretty sure there is. Just a 30-page Lyft interlude. Which, I mean, Lyft is a great character. I love reading about Lyft, but also it's an interlude. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, th I think, once again, the easiest way to do this is just run down the main POV character yeah, list. So, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's start so, with some of the lighter ones that don't have as many chapters. Uh, disappointingly. Because honestly, I have to say, a lot of the characters that don't get much chapter time in the book, I think, are ones that would have benefited from being expanded upon more after some of the fat from other plot lines was cut down on. Yeah. Because, uh, like, especially Dalinar. Yeah. Because after Which... the friggin' insane arc he went through in Oathbringer to just have him be I can, relegated on so hand, much to the side in this one is really disappointing. It is. On one hand, I can understand doing that after so much that hap all the stuff that happened in Oathbringer, but on the other hand... On the other hand, we don't like... get to see the ramifications of that arc on as the, much as yeah, we should. Yeah, on the other hand, that arc that is so insanely massive and so insanely impactful in every way 
is the kind of arc that you should really see the ramifications of in the direct follow-up, but you don't get to see that, really. Yeah. It, it's, uh, especially with the whole gear time skip and yeah. all that, like, every... It, it, it the decisions even... make sense, but like the, the cost if of I'm being honest, reading, If I'm being honest, reading Rhythm of War, I totally forgot that there was like a year time jump after Oathbringer. Nice. That just didn't cross my mind at all because it doesn't feel like it really affects the book in any way. Nice. It, 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 you know. I mean, they built a whole airship in that time. True. But like... Dalinar and Oathbringer goes go, goes the whole arc where he's like, I have done monstrous things in my past and they are hurting me now. I have killed countless innocent people. I accidentally burned my wife alive. And then Rhythm of War, he's just kind of like, hey, Renner, and pats him on the shoulder. You know, you're cool. I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> And it feels very disappointing that that's kind of what he's relegated to after Oathbringer. Because, like, the stuff with him is good, but there's so little of it. We don't get to see enough of where his character has ended up. And yeah. It's just kind of... It, it, it leaves and me wanting more. It le- does leave me wanting more. I have a feeling we'll get at least a little more in Book 5. Yeah. Considering, like, you know, Honestly, the fact all that... the issues I have with Stormlight Archive, I still really think Book 5 is going to knock it out of the park, because if there's one thing yeah. Sando does... If there's right, one thing Sanderson does really well, it is creating compelling, adrenaline-fueled endings. You can see it throughout all four of the... Well, more like all three of those first three Stormlight books. And I mean, since 5 is basically War, just... Ending... The ending there was pretty solid. The ending is, was really solid. I only say the exception of Rhythm of War because that whole ending climax is so very different from the other True. ones. And it does mainly just build up to the eventual ending of Five. Yeah. But Book 5 is basically, I have a feeling, just going to be one of Sanderson's massive climaxes as a thousand-page tome. Nice. I mean, I wouldn't. Considering I, the fact that it's, I would not I mean, doubt that. Considering the fact that it is the cap off to the first era of what is arguably the largest, most expansive, most uh, uh, what what's the other word I'm looking for vigorous. here? Vigorist. Most vigorously crafted epic fantasies currently being published. Yeah. In terms of large-scale epic fantasy, there's very little competition in terms of there sheer scope. Very, in terms of sheer scope, the only other things in terms in really... other terms competition, yeah. In terms of just sheer scope and size, in there's very little that's coming close. Size, in what's the only things I can published. think of would be honestly be Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. Excuse me, and those are fully published. And I those guess, are fully published. I guess Malazan is another in that vein. Yeah, and that's true. still getting books. Malazan is rather massive. Malazan is huge. As someone currently reading Gardens of the Moon, yeah, that that is an 
interesting thing with Epic Fantasy because you got all the big flagship series and they're each the most expansive in mm-hmm. one particular area. Yeah. Because you have Lord of the Rings, which is focused on its languages, and then you have Wheel of Time, which is on its cultures, mm-hmm. and Malazan, which is on like the physical land space. Mm-hmm. And the size of the world itself. Yeah. And the amount within it. Holy cow, I am not even... Like, I'm... I not to derail, but I'm not even halfway through Gardens of the Moon, the first book in Malazan, and there is so much that you see and that you are bombarded with. It is insane. Yeah. And as someone who really, really likes that kind of world building, it's ooh, it's it's ooh, it gives me a physical high. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, rhythm of war. Anyway, uh... rhythm of war. We were going to talk about POV characters, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, we talked, we did down our, uh, just going to lump them together. Adolin, not Adolin, uh, Renarin nice. and Yasna. Renarin and Yasna. Uh, yeah, Renarin. I'm really excited to see more from Renarin in future I'm really books. excited to see more from Renarin in future books. I think the thing is... Because something that Sanderson tries to do with Rhythm of War is take the characters who are going to be... Some of the characters who are going to be taking center stage in Era 2 and starts to try to bring them towards the forefront so a character like Relaine gets a lot more uh, scene time than he has in previous books. And if I'm being honest, despite the fact that Rhythm of War is supposed to be the Parshendi book... I would not have minded to see Relaine's stuff cut down upon some so we could get more development for Renarin as an upcoming character. True. Because I can't remember enough about... The bits we see of his character are so compelling, yet we only see the little glimpses of them. We only see the little bits and the little glimpses of them that could have been something more. And I argue that the same goes for Yasna. Like, Yasna and Dalinar in Rhythm of War have certain uh, things, unless I'm mistaken, that they kind of uh, have to start coming to terms with one another and their differences within ruling styles. That could have been expanded upon more, especially with Dalinar as a character, but because Dalinar has been cut back upon so much, you don't get to explore as much as would be nice in favor of other plot lines that could have had stuff cut back upon. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like that that seems to be like the prevailing issue with this particular book is what's there is good but certain parts what really needed expansion and other parts really needed mm-hmm. to be cut back. It's more of an issue of focus than an issue of True. things it, not... Sanderson, he was building it up good. as being the Parshendi book. This was going to be Venley's book, and this was going to really expand on that side of things, but if anything, it doesn't feel like it has that same streamlined focus that Oathbringer and it, Words of Radiance. It doesn't have that streamlined and... focus, and none of the information it reveals in none those of the flashbacks has the same effect that the information yeah. revealed in Kaladin or Shallan's or Dalinar's. Because the did. information, the information revealed about Kaladin or Shallan or Dalinar is almost always new information about their past that led them to where it's they are now. Because it directly informs their character arcs directly, as it progresses. Yeah. But with Venli, and it, usually it kind it's of character, does. 
But it everything kind of revealed does. has also been revealed in interludes know. before. So we it's... kind of already know just about everything that Venley Venley's flashbacks talk about here. Whereas with like the other ones, the past of these characters is almost entirely shrouded in mystery yeah. and not having any idea what you know went Galvin's on was less before they ended but there up was enough element of mystery to it that there was enough element of mystery to it that it lended towards uh, his character development and greatly it, it kind of makes me sad because i do really enjoy the further insight into specifically the culture that the listeners have yeah because that's some really interesting culture. stuff but the actual the story the like is substance is lacking but the substance just doesn't feel there. If anything, a lot of sections of this book feel more like Navani's book than anyone Honestly, else. Honestly, I I would have really loved if they just made if yeah if it was just yeah. Navani's book that would have if it was just better. straightforward because Navani's it's book. Navani's perspective in it the prologue an... and there's certain information revealed there that would have been really <laughs> mm-hmm. interesting to see yeah. explored in act in Navani flashbacks, but because it has to be the listener book, it doesn't really do that. We don't really get that, but so, it still feels like more of Navani's book than a listener book. So it feels very conflicting. Yeah. It, it just it keeps coming back to a, the issue of focus. Really? It would have made for a nice follow-up to, to Oathbringer being Dalinar's book to follow that up with being Navani's. It would, it would, but, uh, Going back to the POV. Going back now. I guess we've POVs. talked about Van Lee then, so let's continue yeah. with that. Uh, what do you think of Van Lee as a character? Of uh, Van Lee? Yeah. Um, because it, I find aspects I mean, of it can, to be really compelling, but at the same time, that issue of focus... On a whole, I think if... If Venley's character arc wasn't being compared to the fin- absolutely incredible character work Sanderson has already done previously, it would stand out as being really, really solid. But because it has to stack up to such giants, and even within Rhythm of War itself, some of the character work that's done with other characters later on, a lot of it feels lacking. Yeah. It's, it's also just because too be much time is dedicated to it, honestly. Like, oh yeah. The amount of legwork done with Venley could have been done with less pages, and then those pages could have been granted to other characters whose arcs lacked from how little page time they had. And Venley's character arc as a whole would have been better off and more emotionally compelling for it. Yeah. That said, I still do enjoy the glimpses I into the culture like of it, it. so there it's, are still it's less an issue of this is bad and more there's a lot of refinement that could have been done to make it better. Yeah. Which Speaking I guess of the is listener a bad culture. Uh the there's not as much world building done in Rhythm of War, in my opinion, as there were the other three. But what world building there is done that you get to see into like the listener and the Parshendi culture uh is really interesting yeah, the seeing the culture that they one... they had before meeting the alethi is interesting and seeing the world some of the culture of like the you know the the singers that fight for odium yeah. is interesting like that little glimpse you get with the the council bit yeah. i think is really interesting yeah. especially yeah the world building in this one is generally a lot more focused on the parshendi the singers mm-hmm. 
and also the magic system in particular. Also like the, the stuff magic with light in particular. that we'll get into later is yeah very fascinating development. Also, a strangely in-depth exploration of the Honor Spring judicial system. That too. Oh, I almost too. forgot that too. The the exploration of the Spren and their culture is yeah. fascinating because it, it's not as see, much of an because San, Sanderson's a little sneak. He, he's a little sneak. He just slipped in like t- nine separate races into this fantasy world that no one knew was coming at first. Because you don't think of them knew. that way in the human realm mm-hmm. but once you go into shades more it's like oh there's just there's just nine different fantasy races here that are completely yeah, unique and separate much. from each other mm-hmm. hey, he's a little and sneak making to... you think there was only one with the with the singers but you thought there was you thought there was only one oh you sweet summer child no that's basically the same thing he does with the magic system because at this point it feels like you're kind of like the magic system is really intricate and really interesting but doesn't seem like there's a lot more to be explored and then he, and just then he kinda, hits you with two other forms of light and then anti-versions of light he just kind of glances at you from out the corner of his eyes like oh you you sweet ignorant child there's so much you don't know yeah you know, let's let's just get into it navani all right navani navani i think brand Branderson pulled with Navani in this book what he pulled with Spook in the third book of Mistborn for me. Honest to because he took he... a pretty, he took a likable but pretty minor side character and turned them into mm-hmm. one of the best examples of the, what the series yes. has to offer. Honestly, though, he took a character who in the previous three books was fun and likable. And took her and turned her into something so much more compelling and so much more interesting. Within a rather confined space, too, because a lot of Navani's character and character building takes place within one room, really. True, it does. The bulk of Navani's character takes place within this one office where she's studying uh, Stormlight and Voidlight and their and relationship with one another respectively and that's where the whole magic world building comes in with her discoveries with that because with her you, at first with you're like okay there's stormlight that's like the magic of the world and then they introduce void light which you're like oh that's like an opposite to it interesting that's like the opposite that's interesting and Sanderson's like okay but have you heard right. of music theory <laughs> yeah because like have you heard There's of music? Three different theory? types of light, each from the one of the three shards that and is inhabiting to take the planet. It even further, and those each has an inverse form that, when combined with the other, creates a nuke. Creates a literal nuke. Like holy cow, that is volatile. Oh, also creates a kind of light can that can just, just kill spread. You know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They kind of introduce that yeah. that you can kill the un- that you can kill immortal you can, spirits. You can kill immortal spirits with this combination of void light and storm light. Well, with the inverse of the light, cause... the inverse. Yeah, it's it's basically a combination of the two. You're just adding an emulsifier to basically create a new combination. Well, there's there's the emulsifier to make the joint light, and then there's the 
making the reverse anti-light. Oh, was there? I was thinking it was just the one. No, there's both. Oh, okay. Because okay. not only did we discover there's three, we discovered you can mix and match at will if with the correct yeah, emulsifier. Yeah, it's like a... It's, it's, with the correct it's musical like a, emulsifier. And then you can it's like, use a different form of music to turn it into the opposite form of that and create a negative. It's <laughs> like a magical... It's like a magical Rubik's Cube. The man took his magic system and turned it into science. And And not in like a Mistborn way where it's kind of, you know, it's got all the strict rules and stuff. But in a literal, this functions the same way that scientific principles do and how... Literally. It's literally just... It's literally just a fictional form of science. It's like if you discovered electricity for the first time, but it's... A magical thing instead of a natural but thing. Um, the man just straight up created a new facet of science in his fictional fantasy world <laughs> that also revolves around that also revolves around music theory. And on the one hand, it hurts to think about and work out, but also it's, it's so rewarding it's to so learn cool. more about and figure out. And it's so cool. And I have so much respect for the guy for doing what he did with that. Yeah. And the implications that has for the possibilities of where the series can go is insane. Stormlight bomb. Because it's especially interesting because you have that bit where Wit mentions Diazna how the Mm -hmm. traditional form of military and combat isn't Mm -hmm. really going to be a thing once weapons of mass destruction are introduced. And Diazna's like, ah, that'll never happen. And then... That's not going to be a thing. And and then then her her mother invents nukes. Her mom is just like, man. And, like, their immediate thought is, okay, we can kill Spren and Fuse now, but you, if you build the right contraption with that, you just created bombs. Yeah, And you've much. already invented the airship, so you put you, one and two together. It, it's right there. It's right there. I mean... Point is, I think right we're going to see bombing raids in the fifth book or in the second arc, and that's going to be weird. Yeah, to have a fantasy book with palm rings. Stormlight in general as a whole is very weird when you get down to the bare bones It has of it. one of the most unique worlds that epic large-scale fantasy has, honestly, just in terms of the specific feeling it, it gives. But, but It does, but if you boil all that complexity down to its most simple form, it is magic ridiculous, crabs. and I love it. It's magic crabs! <laughs> no, no, I did hear one theory that was interesting that Roshar was originally in the ocean and when the uh, at Ad nauseum created mm-hmm. the Parshendi and all that on the planet, he get in order to give them a land to live on, he just raised up part of the ocean. That's why everything is aquatic themed, but land. Because that's really what it is. You got shale bark, which is just coral. You got all the kremlings and crustaceans that are just. There's also so much stuff within the Stormlight world that I forgot about. Like I forgot about all the weird and wacky, like oceanic aspects to Roshar as a world. Yeah. When reading Rhythm of War, honestly. It's genuinely fascinating. It is so interesting and so strange. In every way. Anyway, we were talking about characters. So Navani. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Where do we even leave off? Do we have anything more to say, Navani? I I do want to talk about Navani and her 
the the way that she interacts with uh what's what's her face? What's Ravenio? her Ravenio. Ravenio? Yeah. Got it. How how do you pronounce the name? Rabonio. Rabonio, okay. That sounds so weird to me, but anyway. I like what Sanderson does with those two as characters. Yes. Uh their whole like building upon their whole dynamic, building upon the two of them as being opposing enemies. One of them literally being an invading faction that yeah. takes Navani's. Yeah, they're, uh, they're decidedly place by enemies storm. who also become like weird friend colleagues at the same time, weird, while actively yeah. working against each other. It's a well, really unique act, dynamic. It's a really interesting dynamic that leads to some really interesting places. I also really like what he does later on as their relationship develops and the two of them start interacting on a level of respect as uh, scholars and also as mothers. As scholars, as mothers, as people trying to ensure as that people, they win the war. As, as, as like, people. Despite being enemies, they're very sporting about it. They are. The part, the part where it's revealed that the inverse, like, can kill Spren, where, uh, I've forgotten how you actually pronounce the name already. Hmm. Oh, Rabonio? Uh, Rabonio. Nice. The part where they reveal that the inverse, like, can kill Spren, and Rabonio uses it to, to just kill her own daughter, yeah. because her daughter is literally so mentally broken that she is not in this realm of uh she just straight up says like my daughter died years ago this is all i have to give her yeah. and then she just breaks down this eternal this immortal symbol of this immortal symbol of death known as the lady of pains known as the lady of pains breaks down in such a human way as Navani looks on and realizes how much they strangely have in common and it's such an interesting turn of events and it's so emotionally impactful it is and especially with the payoff at the end when Ramoniel effectively saves Navani's life mm -hmm. as Moash is going to chop yeah. her up. Yeah. And gives her the small bit. window of time she needs to do the whole yeah. transform. Speaking yeah. of which, Navani Bondsmith, that, I, I love that. Navani Bondsmith, that is such a good bit. Navani is... She's, it's a good Moash bit. It's justified end of a character arc. I love it. It is. Navani has spent the entire book interacting with the sibling, trying to convince the sibling that they can find a way to work together, and then finally convinces the sibling to bond with her. The literal she's second leaning, before she stepped into She She is leaning against the pillar. She is bleeding from a number of different places. She is inches from death. She's all, like, she's just beat to hell. She is, she she is on the verge of just death, and Moash is stalking towards her, like a wolf going in for the kill. 
the man who killed her son in cold blood and considered it to be an act of righteous justice is now and going to kill her and is monologuing about how killing her is an equal act of righteous justice oh, and just straight up she... lying and saying that his her, her son died pathetically oh yeah yeah i forgot about that he just looks her in the eyes and lies to her face telling her your son died pathetically he was a coward he was sniveling on the ground begging for his life. He definitely life wasn't at the, the climax of a compelling character arc that I cut off that, halfway through. He was is, pathetic. That is a filthy lie and Moash is a piece of steaming garbage. Moash sucks. Moash, he's, he's just stalking towards her and the sibling finally accepts the bond and Navani, she's standing there all haggard, beaten, halfway to dead. She just looks him in the eye and states the first ideal. She just she, she just looks this man in the eyes. Dead center is just like life before death, you bastard. Journey before destination. Ugh, you Wait, ruined I, the quote. Was it journey before? I thought it was life before death. No, because she said that at the end of the first ideal. Gosh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> point is it's it's a good uh, moment i love it point is it's such a good moment it gives me chills it honestly gives me gave me chills reading it like oh hot dang that that bit goes so hard so good Ooh, moash oh, it's, gets what he deserves. it's so spicy moash gets what he deserves i mean not quite because he's still alive but he gets what he deserves he's, yeah you know he's blind serves him right he, he's blind he's beaten and thrown against the rocks you know Screw Moash. All my homies hate Moash. Screw Moash. All right. Uh, Who's our next character on the trap right. lock? Uh, let's go Adolin. My boy. Adolin. I love him. My boy. The king. The high the prince. The lad. The high prince. The That's fella. Good. Metaphorical king. Because he's such a cool guy. I, Adolin, uh, over the course of these four books, has become... One of my top favorite characters. He, he's so good. Honestly. And I think he's one of the few characters in Rhythm of War who I think across the board consistently has the right, just the right amount of exploration and just the right of in-depth analysis to be perfect for what he's, the role he's playing here in the book. Yes. And I also think it's probably the most of him as an explored character we have gotten so far, and that makes me happy. Yes. And it it's just interesting seeing how far his character has gone from like yeah. the, the very foppish uh mm -hmm. princeling from the first book who yeah. then grew to respect his father more and then as he grew further and coming more into his own as his own person rather than just living under his father's shadow. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> also seeing the way that he kind of deals with the fact that literally everybody around him and I mean literally everybody around him is gaining super cool magic powers and he's just kind of stuck there with his stuck sword. there like being the guy who's good at swinging a sword which is swiftly becoming a less than 
necessary which is swiftly becoming set. the far less necessary skill set within the world However, within war the warfare that's being set up However, the places he, does get he a goes chance. because of that and the opportunities oh, okay. that that allows him take him to better places. You're I was going to mention that he does get a get a chance to swing his sword around coolly, but that I mean, too. I mean that too, but <laughs> <laughs> he does get the to entirety... swing his sword around coolly. That was a good scene. He does. That was a really good scene. the uh, The entirety of Adolin's character throughout the book takes place is pretty much revolving around him trying to work out a way to convince the most stubborn, unreasonable pieces of garbage spread that, like, they're wrong. The the spread whose particular personality trait is moral superiority... Or a moral, moral superiority, superiority complex. Complex. Trying to convince the people with a moral superiority complex that they're incorrect. Good luck. That they are very incorrect. And the way the... The way that the whole ups art and progresses. Downs, the way the whole fantastic. art progresses is really fantastic. The ups and downs that Adolin as a character goes through during that period within lasting integrity as the trial starts going on and he has to try to wrap his mind around uh, all the legal terminology and the loopholes. And that, that payoff and with the, Maya in the courtroom the is payoff phenomenal. The payoff with Maya, which she just, she just screams we chose. That hits so insanely hard and so well. And there's such good build up to it too yeah. as these honors these supposedly morally superior honor spren are just harassing and emotionally torturing this poor dead eye spren in the name of justice yeah it is such an insanely good so, yeah. scene that also lends some really interesting insight into the recreants too that too that th there's a lot of stuff going on there how did we Radiant. not? How did we as fans not consider the fact that Knights Radiant and Spren were a team, and there would have been some kind of conversation going on about it? Yeah, it, it seems like such an obvious thing to put together. In a similar way, yeah, it's kind of a similar way to the whole humans are the void bringers bit from Oathbringer, where you think you would think of it considering everything, but you just kind of don't until it's suddenly considering the on fact you. that humans humans literally the are humans physically are not made to survive. And there are crab people native to the planet that make more sense there. Yeah, everything is water, and you have these smooth ape people running around. <laughs> there's what it's they don't mix it's like saying one plus two equals five you know i mean it does but like <laughs> okay um like come on man there was one more th i don't remember what the last thing i wanted meant oh yeah uh the the part the uh, parts we see of adolin from his pov anyway trying to navigate his relationship with Shalon also is a really interesting development. Also true.
that, that is seeing a complex the, relationship. Seeing the complex, the complexities and the difficulties that inherently come with that uh, kind of thing is really interesting to see Sanderson exploring. He does it really well. Also, the star spread bit is so nice to I read about. That and scene. It, That's it's such a so good. So oh, solid, man. That's about what I had to say about Adolin. Epic. And uh, Shalon. Shalon is probably the weakest character in the book. Yeah. Her arc has is... so much potential on paper, but it's so rushed through at so many points because yeah. it's just not given the page time it needs to fully develop. It's and really not. It's disappointing. It were, There are aspects of it. That, there's build-up there that I like, but that build-up isn't given the time it needs to have a solid resolution. So by the end, when this when Formless uh, starts to take hold... The whole Formless it feels payoff lasts like a page before it's over. Yeah, Formless comes up and is like, I'm Shallan, but edgy and evil. And then it's like, oh... You're okay. just regular along. Okay, what? It's just uh, normal me all along. Okay, oh, bye, Vale. You're gone now. Yeah, they... It feels it, very... There's so much more that could have been done there. Yeah, and it's there kind is. of disappointing because as a result, the... What? It, it kind of leaves Shalon to be a pretty repetitive character because of the lost potential there because her arcs in all yeah. the books so far have pretty much been the same basic idea pretty much yeah you're not wrong and with it some expansion battery. it could have taken it in a it could have done something with it to negate that feeling but because it's yeah. so rushed through it just kind of it just kind of uh, circles back around to square it one circles back around but there's one less of them but there's one less of them yeah until, you know, the whole final reveal where she killed Brandon Sanderson and now he can't finish the series. <laughs> and now he can't finish the series. That's the reveal. But The final reveal. Brandon Sanderson was Aiden Elsie all along and Shallan caused the, the <laughs> shattering or whatever it's called. Shallan murdered Aiden Elsie. Brandon was Aiden Alzheimer. Oh, there, there is a theory uh, that does remind me. There is a theory that her mother was one of the heralds. So when she killed her, she went oh. back to Braze, which caused the so uh you know buff guy never actually broke, and it was Shalon all along that caused the oh. true desolation to happen. That's a very interesting theory. That honestly, I wouldn't mind being true. Because it could be interesting. It's to within see the realm the of possibility. Considering the fact that it sh what we see of Shallan's mother in Oathbringer, I think she doesn't seem like she's particularly all there. So I mean, I'm just just kind of saying. You never know. I'm just saying, Shallan's mom doesn't seem like you know. She's completely uh. How 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 you how how do you put it? I I don't even remember the stuff with her mother. So I don't know. I barely remember it either. Anyway, but yeah, it it's like every her arc every every book has been. I killed someone I cared about, and I'm sad. 
And mm-hmm. like that, obviously, yeah. that's like minimizing a lot of the nuance to it. But it, and I get that like mental illness isn't just the type of thing that you solve once and then it's over. It kind of goes through loops yeah. like that. But the way it's handled yeah. in Rhythm of War specifically just feels really underbaked, and it loses some of it, it a does. lot of its potential impact as a result. True, it does. Uh, that's what I have to say about Shalon, really. And, uh, I guess finally, the, the, the main, the boy, my lad. The boy. The big one. Saddle the and Catalan the Paladin. Yeah, Kaladin. Yes. Okay. I've, I, we've talked about how messy this book is, but Kaladin's stuff in here is the Kaladin's most emotionally stuff impactful is, stuff in the entire it series. It really is. Honestly, I th- I genuinely think that this is probably some of the best development Kaladin has gotten as a character since probably like, Way of Kings. Like th- there is a scene early on where he's having like a full on anxiety attack, and as someone who has dealt with anxiety attacks, ugh, it's too real. <laughs> oh, it hits. It's it hits. It's I I'm just continually impressed by how well Sanderson handles mental illness in the series, mm-hmm. especially with Kaladin, and True. he gets, that specific aspect gets explored a lot more in this book than it has in the past mm-hmm. three. Yeah, And the result pays off in spades. It does. It, the result plays off so well. The things that Sanderson puts Kaladin through in this book are criminal. My boy doesn't deserve it. He needs the he gets forced Cal- to die thing, hard. The things my he does. The, a chunk of this book is just die hard in a magic tower. Which I mean, I'm not complaining about. Which I mean, I'm fine with. That's awesome. But you know, the things that Kaladin has is put through in this book are so they they hurt so much and they say, hurt like, so much more because there is some really good development given towards Kaladin slowly. Slowly healing at least a little bit, and then having it all ripped away in an instant, yeah. and it is crushing. And yeah. it only gets more so after that. Only for it to pay off in even more bits of healing. Which... Honestly, though, it feels like it. The way it feels like it feels like you're watching a man who is holding a a boulder ten times his size above his head as he slowly succumbs to the weight of it. Yeah. It... That's the best analogy I can think of for it, yeah, I, and it hits in so the incredibly swell of well. stuff that either has too much time or not enough time dedicated to it. The amount of time put into Kaladin's arc in this is the perfect amount it because it is a slow right. burn to get through, but the mm-hmm. very but delicately the, handled character work done as a result is phenomenal. Very meticulously handled character work put into it pays off so incredibly well there at the end when Cal finally lets go of his failures at least a little bit at, at the very least loosens his grip and uh reaches the fifth ideal yes okay, okay but fifth ideal man uh, fifth ideal that is that chapter such a is good... so good that cha- okay I went back recently and reread Kaladin's uh talk with Tian in the so purgatory realm <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> but <laughs> um 
Back when I read Rhythm of War for the first time a number of months ago, I read through and I got to that point, that entire section, that conversation between him and Tian, and it hit me in such a personal way that I am not kidding you when I say it had me in tears, and I am being 100% serious about that. It would have had me in tears if I could cry. If you were physically capable of human emotion. <laughs> what is emotion? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that bit, but, like, it... That entire oh, section... It hits me so hard. It hits so hard, and, and the I went dog back and the and... dragon combined are, like, the most oh, okay. emotionally I was, impactful I was gonna... stuff in the entire series. I'm going to talk about Cal's stuff at the end of the book some more, but can we talk about the dog and the dragon some? Cause, uh, I love the oh, dog and the dragon. The dog and the dragon is such a good little bit. It's 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 just such a good little story on its own, too, and the way it mirrors it Kaladin's is. own story with the whole flight and scales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, Windrunner kind of fly, and then he get his shard plate. Mm-hmm. And he can talk, so he can talk. Mirror. That is true. Perfect mirror. <laughs> also, you know, e- emotionally with Kaladin being the dog and stuff. Yeah, and it hits so so <sighs> well. Yeah, you know, just bless Wit always showing up at the right time to bless provide Wit. therapy when the character needs it most. With a story, he did it in Oathbringer. He did it in here. He's just the real therapy, bro. He did it bro. in Way of Kings, kind of, with the story about the sailor. True. And also the foot race guy. True. He's always showing up in a story when people need it. He's he a is. Guy. Wit is a great guy. Like, character. I get the he's whole a... thing is you don't really fully trust him because you don't know what his motives are, but he's such a True. good guy. I also really like the little bit, j- just a little bit throughout the dog and the dragon where he's constantly berating Kaladin, kind of lightheartedly about not finding a moral in the story. The story is meaningless. You must not search for a moral in it at all. (laughs) And just letting it be a story for story's sake, even though it's the most personally impactful story he could have told. It's it's the most personally impactful story he could have told where Kaladin is basically just literally one of the characters verbatim. I also love his little banter with design in that bit. I, I love that. It's really good. Wit and ban and uh, not banter. Wit and banter. The wit and dis- <laughs> <laughs> banter would be a good spread name. It would. But yeah, wit and design wit and, are wonderful. Wit and design are a wonderful duo that I want to see more of. I want the wit and design novella. Give it to me. Yes, please. But uh, j- just wit and design, just a comedy novella of wit and design world hopping to different Cosmere places and just, just messing with even. people. Yeah, non-canon, just canon, messing just with people. It. Just give it to me, please. Give it to me! But, uh... But, it, yeah, Kel didn't cry. Uh... <laughs> Going back to the end bit, at the end of the book, his entire conversation with Tian hits so very well. The lines where he's he's looking at Tian, and he's like, why would, why would you do what you did? You didn't... There was no need for you to do it. You should have stayed safe. And he just... Tian just smiles at him. This 
freaking kid. This little he just, look, he, just, he just looks at him and he just smiles. He's just like, they would have been alone. They needed someone to help them feel brave. And it's, oh, oh. Tien is such a good character and he's barely oh, and it just gets he's dead. And it, oh, and it just gets so much more, it gets so much more into it when Cal's like, they were all murdered and so were you. And he's just like, so it was good. Someone was there to help them not feel so alone when it happened. Like, and it just it hits so hard and so well. So and the metaphorical imagery it, towards the end where Tian becomes like a full-grown adult and Kaladin is just a child who breaks down in his arms oh, as he so finally good. just starts to let it out. Oh, man. And Tian just monologues to him about death and the afterlife and such a good monologue what too. it's like at the end it the it oh it's such a good monologue and it hits so so impactfully and i don't i don't know why but something about that entire section speaks so profoundly to me on such a deeply personal level that i can't quite explain so good I don't read this series for fantasy. I read it for therapy. You have to understand. <laughs> I don't read. I don't read Stormlight for the investing story. I read it as self-help therapy. <laughs> I read it to vent my complicated emotions. <laughs> it's true. I do. <laughs> Teen's whole monologue about it honestly reminds me of the bit in Return of the King where Gandalf is talking to Pippin. Uh, about death and about the end it does it gives me the same vibes of gandalf talking about like the silvery curtain that's drawn back in the rolling fields of green and eternity that's the same kind of yeah that's the same kind of feeling that it evokes within me and it hits so passionately and so beautifully i love it i love it and the everything after that is calden falls spinning through Hundreds of brilliantly glowing wind spread to catch his father in time. Yes, I, I do really the, love that little bit of him reconciling with his father. Because that's such a nice little the, part of their characters. Their very complicated relationship was kind of uh, not exactly central, but a very important theme to the bits where Any he kind, was with okay. him in Oathbringer and in this. Okay. And having it you know, come to that conclusion was very nice. I just want to mention this. Having watched the, the, the movie The Mitchells vs. the Machines recently, Uh-oh. if you're a storyteller out there and you want to try to tell a story about a complex relationship between a father and a child character who don't see eye to eye and is kind of dysfunctional... Read Stormlight. Just look to Stormlight. Don't... I, I just really... I, I'm not a fan of the way that movie handled that thematic thread honestly it was better towards the middle and end half but i'm not a fan of the way films like that in general handle that kind of uh yeah, the way that thematic conflict thread. was handled in rhythm war was excellent it was so very well done and so tactful too yeah. there's so many different there's so many versions of that kind of theme that are so very warped and tactless and i hate it yeah but the uh, the bit too where Cal's uh, shash brand finally, finally off. flakes yes. off. Yes, it's such a good 
symbol it's of emotional healing emotional outward. Yeah, like moment. I love it. It's such a good, a good moment that metaphorically re- mirrors him no it. longer. Not completely. It's not a magic turnaround. I mean, yeah, but but, but beginning to no longer be a, a slave to his own failings and his own yeah self hatred. I love it. It's so good. It's such a good narrative device, man. Ah, oh, yeah. it's so genius. So good. Oh, but uh, great, we've talked about the end, and I still want to talk about the the uh, first third. <laughs> Cause, uh, first third okay yeah because uh, that whole bit where he's the the whole opening sequence happens and then he's just fired yeah. or and he's just delisted fired. which was a direction i was not expecting but it's such it a brilliant mo- way it to is. take his character it is such a brilliant way to take his character and then going further from and just then, being yeah Taking him from that just... combat role and having him explore trying to find a new purpose in life and then him finding that was really compelling. Let alone finding that purpose and basically putting together a therapy group. Yeah, he, he goes back to being a surgeon. That's not quite working for him. So he starts looking into people who suffer in similar ways that he does and mm-hmm. invents therapy. <laughs> he does. He invents therapy. <laughs> or at least a therapy group. At least a therapy group. Maybe not individual therapy sessions, but a therapy group. And yeah, just just that whole bit was so was so nice. And even if it ends it, in tragedy because the tower gets invaded, yeah. it's still such a nice bit. It is such a good bit. I love the slow burn way that Sanderson handles Kaladin's uh slow descent with every cha- every passing chapter from Kaladin's point of view you can feel the weight of every step he takes as every single step forward he takes slowly gets heavier and heavier with all these metaphorical lead weights that he's carrying around. Yeah. And it, it, it is some of to that whole thing. I really enjoyed the dynamic he has with Adolin and Shallan. That's a good yeah. friendship trio. It is. That's a good bit. That's, that's another good, bit with why Adolin is so likable. He's such a good friend. Honestly, he's such a, he's such a good friend. He's such a good bro. I I want I want book five to explore it more. Even if that I means it'll end in tragedy. Explore it more, even though Castle will probably that, die. Even though it is guaranteed that it will end in misery, I want that friendship dynamic explored more. Dang it. Yeah, it's a shame one's in Shadesmar and the other's going to Shinovar. Uh, uh, yeah, really though. But hey, he gets is. to pal around with Zeth. That'll be a dynamic. Hey, he gets. I'm gets very curious about that time. dynamic. It's time for a good old buddy. Because the only time they've interacted Zeth before was fight. So them having to work together, I'm, I'm very curious on how that's going to play out. You know, you know the guy that Kaladin killed. <laughs> Depending on which version of the book you read. Because apparently Wait, there what? was an edit where he dies because of the storm and not because Kaladin killed him. Oh, really? The version I read, Kaladin just straight up killed him. You read the original version, then? I read the superior yeah, there version. Was, there was a second version where the storm kills him instead because Sanderson thought that fit the themes of the story better. Eh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's such a minor edit, too. That's just it is. Negligible. Yeah, 
True. It is kind of negligible. But, but uh, I look forward to where things are going, even yes, if I know it will yes, end up hurting. Yes. All right, all right, but, 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 but. Okay. Seven days. Seven days, oh boy. Because uh, that the last epigraph bit of the first of the final ten days. Oh, is it ten or is it twelve? It is, it's ten. All right, yeah, ten. It's ten days. The final ten days. And it's like, what's final. that? And then the whole deal is struck, which is another really great. That reminds me. Another that reminds me. Bit. Other character we need to talk about. Terra frickin' Vangian. Terra Vangian. Terra Vangian gets a surprising amount of character development in Rhythm of War. He gets a surprising amount of character development, and he becomes the main villain. And he becomes the that main villain. That is not what yeah. I was expecting in the second to last book in the in, gonna... in the in the was it five fiveology? I don't know what the term yeah. for five is. I was gonna wait to to mention that at the end, but Todium, man, friggin' like, Todium. He just he just murders the old main villain and becomes the new main villain, and is infinitely more terrifying. That is such an insanely bold brash decision from and Sanderson that I so respect well. so much. It does. It works so well. It it's works so, so good. well. Honestly, I don't think there's anywhere the original ODM could have gone further at that point in the story. But Teravangian ODM has so many different places to be going, and they are all terrifying. Because the thing about Ray's ODM, Ray's ODM was just kind of he, he was evil and conniving. He, he was basically but in enslaved a regular to the power sense at that of, point. He like, was enslaved to the power at that point, and he knew what he was. Teravangian is someone who thinks he is the protagonist who is going to save everybody. Yeah, he thinks he's the protagonist, and he has the power of limitless hatred. This will not end well. Teravangian is the man who murdered hundreds of countless people thinking it was for a good cause to just save one city... And now he has the ultimate power of a god of hatred. That is horrifying. That is a terrifying thought to have expanded upon. And I am so interested in where that is going to lead. And that epilogue, man. Dude. Oh, man. That epilogue is something else. That epilogue is terrifying. Holy cow. Yeah. That epilogue where he, he pulls one over on wit himself. The epilogue where he just goes and, to wait. And the he's whole like, bit where, like, he's contemplating how to remove his stuff and what is freaking out, and then it just resets. Just abruptly just as from his... Pers- oh, that so is... Good. That is chilling. And that is terrifying. And you feel it's like there's terrifying. something off, and Wit feels like there's something off, but at the end he just brushes it aside because... Dumb. Because <laughs> he doesn't... That he doesn't is... Think... Uh, oh, oh the that implications. is terrifying. That is insane. Holy cow, book man. Book 5 is going to be wild. Oh, book, book 5 is going to be insane, King man. of Way is going to be wild, the re- Era 2 is going to be insane if Teravangian Odium continues as the antagonist past book 5, which I imagine he will. Unless, of course, Cultivation turns out to be the ultimate. I mean, I am I subscribe to the probably going to be wrong theory that Cultivation is the villain. I don't, I don't trust oh. 40 <laughs> Chess Dragon Lady. 
Cultivation is the ultimate evil of Cosmere. I mean, she's been playing games. She's been manipulating. She has, though. She's, she's a conniving little trickster. Game. It's it's insane. She's been playing such a long, sly game. It is insanely impressive. And it's such a gamble, the game she's been playing, too. Like, that's another thing. Cultivation is basically a wild card. Because every move she has played so far has been a complete roll of the dice. Yeah, the whole Dalinar thing, the whole creating a new it's... Odium thing. The entire, every play she has made could have gone a million different ways except for the ones that she wanted for them to go. Like I said, I don't trust 40, I don't, I do not trust 40 chess dragon lady. I, I, she's got mm -hmm. evil on the mind. True. There is something up with cultivation and I'm curious as to what it is. Yeah. Plot twist: anyway. Teravangian becomes cultivation. Next book. Teravangian becomes like the power of odium is killed, and he just becomes cultivation. And he just becomes cultivation. Yeah. Oh, there's a twist. Oh man. Oh, there's an interesting take. Teravangian oh, becomes Aiden Elysium too. Aiden Elysium. Well, I will say two, that is kind yeah. of a brilliant uh, evil plan that the original odium had, in just in terms of mm -hmm. the writing of the story, because. Obtaining mm -hmm. every power is kind of ridiculous, as Harmony mm -hmm. proves, because one power trying to tear you into its will is bad enough. Yeah. So instead, he's just yeah. systematically destroying and killing every other shard. Yeah. So that he's so the he only just, god in the universe. He's the only god in the universe. That and is having the one godlike entity be the god of mm -hmm. hatred is kind of problematic. That's kind of not a good idea. Kind of problematic in theory. You know? Kind of in, in theory. On paper, it's not a good idea. But maybe he's a chill guy. I mean, I'm oh, just saying. Teravangian, you know? he seems like a like a good guy. You know, he's like a cool, 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 good guy. You know, I'm just saying, he's like a dude. He's a bro. He's a chill bro. Yeah, man. But, you know, uh, he really is. Yeah. Unless, there, uh, is there anything else to say about? War there is something else I want to say about War of Rhythm. One other plot thing that caught me off guard that I am I am giddy about to an unholy extent. What is it? Why are we talking like this? The bit at, so the bit at the end with Shalon, she's talking to Mraze, right? Oh and, yeah. You know, that whole bit. That whole yeah, bit is yeah. that whole bit is fine, but that's not the point. She's like, oh, yeah, hey man, car. I'm done. And then she's talking about Thydekar, and then so casually, so very casually, Sanderson just drops, oh yeah, Thydekar, this whole, this mysterious overlord of the criminal organization has that has been hinted at since the in, first Stormlight book. Since the first Stormlight book, who has their grubby little fingers in just about every facet of the Cosmere. Is yeah, also called the is Lord called of Scars. The who Lord could of that Scars. be? Who could that be? Who, what kind of person do we know in the Cosmere with such such a high-standing high thought of himself, such a propensity for grandiosity, and also, and also a lots of iconic cool level of scars? Who, could who else be? do we know? Oh, yeah, Kelsier. Oh, uh, boy. oh. Yeah, the, Ooh, the Cosmere that, Connections stuff in Rhythm of War is crazy. The Cosmere Connections stuff is so nice, and that bit with 
just straight up dropping that Kelsier is Thyatakar is so nice. And seeing these threads that are slowly being tied together, of seeing the Mistborn stuff and the Stormlight stuff slowly begin overlapping, it makes me so happy and so excited. I am like a kid in a candy shop. It makes me unreasonably I'm, giddy to think about, I'm honestly. I'm intrigued at where this is going to go. I'm just, I, I am excited to an unreasonable extent. I mean, I'm we, like a kid. I mean, like, you talk about Kelsier being the hero, then becoming the villain, but it's kind of a fitting turn of events, considering he was always just a snarky mob boss. So to have him True. just expand his operations to galaxy-wide once he gets the opportunity makes so much sense. It does make so much sense for Kelsier to just become a galaxy-wide Especially godfather. Especially when you consider he's kind of, he was always kind of a psychopath to a dis- to a degree was. like he had some level of empathy but not towards people he didn't like look look i i i, I he cares I about like the ska Kelsier. but he wanted to murder noblemen for fun so i like i, I like kelsier at the beginning uh, at during the first mistborn book he's still my boy there in that book still like and him. i will always love him there but in the grander scheme of where his character has ended up Kelsier is an awful person. He's kind of a terrifying force. He was always Kelsier a little concerning, a... but now he's terrifying. He he was in the first Mistborn. He was kind of concerning, but I loved him. But now he is te- a terrifying force he's that just is emerging. He's an intergalactic mob boss. He's an intergalactic mob boss with with mastery over godly magical powers. And we don't know that what his goal only, is, his endgame. That will only grow in scale. And we do not know what his endgame is as of right now. All we know is that he died, was so angry <laughs> that he Did refused he to die. Punched God in the face. Became Punched God in the face, became God for a little while, gave it up, came back to life, and is now just a, a universe-wide godfather. <laughs> Like, <laughs> where is this going? <laughs> but I'm interested in wherever it's going. So yeah, uh, Mistborn spoilers too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Mistborn era two spoilers. Uh, sorry about that. If you ha- why are you listening to this if you haven't read Mistborn anyway? Stormlight's not... not an introductory to the Cosmere. Why are you listening to this if yeah, it's. Uh... Why are you listening to this if you exist oh, anyway? Like, come on. True, honestly though. Like, oh man. But, oh. Uh, that, that, yeah. Is there anything else you have to say? About Rhythm of War. About funny light, ma- uh, light science. Funny light music. science magic music. Also, I, I like how Yasna is so dismissive of music theory only for it to turn out to be the most important realm of science. <laughs> in, Honestly, uh, though, sure. I do want to mention the scene where Yasna duels that one nobleman. That's a good oh, scene. That's good. That That's a good, good scene. She just destroys that guy, and it's so much fun to read about, man. The also, that one battlefield scene. Her and Dalinar is pretty good with that, too, even if it could have been expanded more. That one battlefield scene as well, where she's ah, yes. leading uh, leading forces, it's really interesting turns to see play out. The oil turns her gauntlets into flint and steel and just torches everything. Gets her eye stabbed out and is just casually like, dang it. Gosh dang it, not again. That's a good bit. 
That's a really to solid scene. To be fair, she did I get killed it. in the second book and come back, so a stab to the eyes. Kind of. Was she really killed, though? No, nah, she just... It, she just... Went she, to got the shadow realm. Wounded, she got mortally wounded. She got mortally wounded, went to the Shadow Realm, realm and healed herself, so... Everyone thought yeah, she died. I mean, close enough. Everyone thought she died, but not really. You know? Close enough. I will never get over how unceremonious Yasna's return was. <laughs> she just shows up like, hey, bros, I'm yeah. back. <laughs> she shows up as like, hey, I'm back, everybody. And everyone's hey. like, cool. Everyone's like, well, I'm this complicates back. matters, but I'm glad you're not dead, I guess. Yeah, alright. Anyway, we're moving on now. And Shalon's like, uh, but I'm edgy. Uh, uh, uh why do you have to come back? I thought back? I was through being the pupil. Oh. Uh, everything was so so better with you gone. I'm like, well, uh. that's kind of rude. You're kind of hurting my feelings <laughs> a bit there. Shalon, do we need to go for another philosophy outing? <laughs> do we need to learn philosophy again? No! <laughs> Please! <laughs> <laughs> not again not another philosophy <laughs> demonstration this time I'm killing Dalinar <laughs> and I need you to answer Hold the question is it wrong to kill your uncle <laughs> I can answer that now yes yes but you won't know until I've done it you won't know until I've done it look I killed my dad you don't need to kill your uncle <laughs> I also like the little the little mini bit with a uh, uh, lift where she's just having fun with chickens. That's a fun little bit. I, I always like the bits with lift. She's fun. Yeah, I really got really Edge good. Dancer. I hope yeah, Edge Dancer is such a good novella, man. I really good. I really hope that Lift gets more. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's going to be one of the main two. POVs in Era Two. So yes. Yes. Also, I'm interested in where that goes, considering the fact that Lyft has direct ties to cultivation, meaning that Lyft True, is another one of cultivation's dice rolls. Yeah, I'm she's pretty sure Lyft may have also made it. I'm pretty sure Lyft may have also, like Dalinar and Teravange, and made a deal with the Night Watch or whatever her name is. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much explicitly stated. <laughs> I am I'm I'm interested in where Lyft goes in that regard as being another one of Cultivation's roll of the dice. Well, consi- well she did make a radiant that runs off of Cultivation Light instead of Honor Light, which has uh-huh. very large implications. True, it does. Anyway, that's about what I have to say about Rhythm of War. We've been recording for an unholy amount We've of time now. We've been recording now. for almost three hours, so have fun editing. Anyway, uh, that's... Thank you for listening to this episode to of Media Thanks Labs. for listening all the way through however long this ends up being. Um, uh, I'm your, your host, Sark. I'm the cool one. Follow me on Twitter. I'm the better host, Tom... I'm also shorts. the honest host. Tom just lied. I would never lie. I've never once spoken a lie in the last ten minutes. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't. Anyway, goodbye. It is over.